travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal Spearsy here. And Brad in LA. And today we want to introduce you to some of the coolest 80s mashup videos we've ever seen on the internet and talk to the creative minds behind them. Stuck in the 80s is now listener supported via Patreon. You can find out more at patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and via our website at www.sat80s.com. We're going to be famous, aren't we, Otis? Yes, sir. The whole world, the whole universe is going to know about it. Hey, gang. Feels good to be back. First show after our 15th anniversary. We're not going to script this one quite so much. We're just going to have some fun. You remember We're that just word, gonna Brad? Let it roll. Fun, yeah. Fun times. Did you give me my cheese wheels, boy? So here's the deal. A few weeks ago, we mentioned on the podcast that we had discovered uh, – we didn't discover. Other people discovered them. We wanted to tell you about these videos from the Hood Internet, which is this Chicago pair of creative minds, Steve Rydell and Aaron Brink. And they've been together about 14 years, and it turns out wow. that a few months ago, or it was a few months ago now, they started rolling out these mashup videos for the 80s. It starts in 79, and they have 50 songs in three minutes for 10 straight years. Yeah. Three minutes of clips. Mm. It's just like concentrated deliciousness. and It is. If you are listening to this podcast and watching these videos does not make you smile... You are so dead inside. When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron go. Exactly. Your vampire heart will live on forever. These came out right at the height of the stay-at-home orders here in Florida. And I was here with the fiancé, and we discovered them on YouTube one night. We saw them. And... I was just addicted from the very beginning. I think I think I caught it like at the very beginning around 1983, and then I, we went back and we realized they were rolling out one a week, you know, for yep two months or whatever. And it was they're so much fun. They're so clever as far as the you know syncing up the music, but then also bringing in the video. Um, unfortunately, we can't actually show you the total genius of these things because we're an audio podcast. But I'm telling you, go look look at our show notes. We'll have all the links there. They're amazing. And so I reached out right away and said, you know, i got to get these guys on the show. I have so many questions for them. And, uh, you know, fast forward two months, and I, I had my chance this week. And it was it was really fun. We talked for about a half an hour about, how, you know, what's their connection to the 80s? Did, were they, are they the same age as us? You know, spoiler alert, no, they're a little younger. But what connected them to 80s music? What gave them the idea for this? How hard was it to do 
each video? What was the most difficult one to make? They're going to answer all my questions, which I'm sure they they might have been uh, caught off guard by how many questions I did have about this series. We'll play some clips from some of our favorite years. And then uh, after the interview's over, we'll come back. We'll do some seggies, and uh, we'll have a good time, and we'll call it a night. What do you say, Brad? Oh, I am so on board with this. You're saying they're a little younger than us? See, it's what I've always been saying. The 80s, it's kid-friendly. <laughs> it's kid- I don't know how it's kid more kid-friendly than today's music, I suppose. But uh, no, they, they're a little bit younger than us, but they love the 80s. They love the 90s, too. We'll talk about that, too, during the show. But in the meantime, please sit back and listen to my interview with Steve Rydell and Aaron Brink of The Hood Internet. Steve and Aaron, thanks for accepting my invitation to chat. I've been dying to know more about this 80s mashup video that uh, Hood Internet have been, have been producing. I'm completely addicted to them. Oh, thanks. Did you uh, both grow up in the 80s, or, or what's your connection to the 80s music? We did both grow up in the 80s. Uh, I was born in 79. Aaron, you were born in 80? Nin- 1980, yeah. Okay, so a little younger than me. I think I, I was born in 67, so to me, the 80s music hits right during high school and college so for you a little younger yes but it but it stuck with you obviously over the years yeah it definitely like was formative because you know that's the music not the only that we hear in the 80s growing up but for you know all the decades after that i will say like having been like really young for most of the 80s especially those early years that like some of the music i didn't know at all some of it i didn't know as well um and so it was fun kind of going back and hearing stuff that like i didn't grow up with because i was you know one or two years old when it came out yeah we had had a friend of ours um a youtube personality by the name of wheezy waiter watch the video for 1984 when we were sort of kicking into the second half of the 80s and he was like let's see how many of these i know i was two when they came out and then there were so many that didn't resonate and just that few years of difference between us and him about like what you know stayed in our memories from that era was really interesting. I posted a couple of videos online yesterday, including the 1984 one, which is my favorite. And I asked um, the the listeners of, of my podcast and the people who follow me on social which video they connected with the most. And it really does break up the people who are about my age. 84 is their sweet spot. My my younger friends congregate towards 88, 89. Yeah, 84 is a really, I mean, even being a different age group, like a, a really great year for music. And so that's hard to hard to argue with. I found like we're working on the 90s right now and haven't released those. But those songs definitely feel more precious for me. Um, and and I've had a little more connection to them because they're you know, songs that were like when I was a teenager. So it's just kind of a different connection. Yeah, a lot of what we saw in YouTube comments uh, over and over were people being like, this is the best year because this is the year I graduated high school, or this was the best year for music. Anyone else who disagrees is wrong. You know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) So what was the, what was the spark? What was the idea to, to create this series? There really wasn't a plan for a series. Um, Just kind of started with, we'd done a previous series of kind of 40 years of hip hop. Um, And so for that, it's like a similar video. It's about four minutes of just songs from all the different years of hip hop 
but kind of spliced together so that like different rappers are finishing each other's lines and it still is like working as a song uh, integrating like different uh, different instrumentals and then also like that the words kind of make sense together um and so that was a lot of fun and wanted to kind of another way to do that um and just started looking at 1979 as kind of a starting point and just kind of messing around uh with some of the different styles of music um such a transitionary period and it was cool to kind of see some of the the similarities um in some of the the new wave and some of the like post disco stuff and rock music that was happening at that time and so I just started messing around with that just kind of for fun um thinking of it as kind of like a one year thing and then after putting that together just decided to kind of keep it rolling um and so there was no master plan um but just kind of you know we've always been we've been doing this for 13 14 years now and just love kind of mixing different different sounds together I think there was a notion too that this was going, you know, much like the 40 years of hip hop uh, project, that this was going to be a video project. And um, we didn't, I mean, eight, is 81 the official year that MTV went on the air? I yeah. yeah. Um, Aaron had sort of uh, kind of retrofitted that to be like, well, 1979 is the year of the Buggles video killed the radio star. So that's kind of like the genesis of, I think a lot of what's, you know, triggers so much nostalgia in people is not only hearing the music, but like the hypercut of seeing all those videos. And a lot of people, you know, were either growing up on that or, you know, like whatever out, out at clubs that had, you know, video DJs uh, in the mix. I'm particularly interested in 79 because I was, I was watching them all again. I've probably seen every one of them 10 times now. So, but 1979 is the one but I always seem to study the closest because you've got so many genres to deal with. You've got the clash Prince. You, you've, you have kiss in there, ACDC, you know, the police. There's, there's some bands I think that people forget that, no, they got their start in the seventies, not the eighties, you know, bands like the police and Van Halen and, and Prince. 79 was such a crazy year for, you know, genres of music changing. Those like quintessential, like eighties, like musicians, like you mentioned Prince, big year for Michael Jackson, a lot of those things, a lot of the new wave stuff, a lot of keyboards and synthesizers happening that we think of as like 80s. Like that was around in 79 that was really starting to kind of take hold. It must have been a challenge from a video standpoint of finding enough footage in those pre-MTV years to really make those those first couple of years pop. Am I Am I wrong? I was surprised by like how much video footage there there is. Um, yeah, there were a lot of like songs that didn't have official videos, but you could usually find, you know, a, either a live TV performance or something else that was at least of the era, even if it wasn't for that specific song. So it definitely gets easier as you get further into the MTV area and era, and every song has a video. Um, but I was surprised by how much there is out there. The quality, uh, especially in those early years, wasn't always uh, so hot. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people forget that when MTV came around in August '81, uh, they were playing videos that were three, four, five years old. You know, they weren't. There weren't any videos that first day that were made for MTV. They were all 
you know, old promotional videos or TV inter- or TV spots or concert films. Yeah, music videos were definitely being produced before then, and I'm sure were partially the genesis of like starting a, a channel like MTV then. But yeah, like you said, it was pri- almost primarily for like promotional purposes or you know whatever. There was no there was no uh, you, there was no YouTube in 1979. I want all your listeners to know <laughs> there was no YouTube then. I, I think some of my listeners still don't realize that there's a YouTube. So. <laughs> I'm really curious about the process when you you're sitting down, let's say to do 1980 or 81, what do you, how does it, the process begin? Do you, do you pull out a, a year end chart of the hits? Do you, do you sit down and jot down your favorite bands and you say, Oh, this one's got to have the Ramones or it has to have Devo or something like that. Like what was the process the same for each video? And, and could you explain it as much as <laughs> you'll never explain it in as much detail as I want, <laughs> but as much detail as you're willing to. Yeah, it's pretty similar for each year. Yeah, first of it's just doing some research. And so that's finding some, not not so much like the billboard charts, but finding um, lists of, you know, best or most important songs from that year. Um, looking at albums as well, because sometimes there's really, you know, important albums that like individual songs didn't really hit on any um, kind of national radar. So we do that work and just kind of compile like a, a spreadsheet and usually it's like we're starting with like 100 to 125 songs or so. Wow. And and then just kind of pulling those all together, grabbing all the songs and then kind of going through each of those and kind of pulling out samples, um, things that usually it's going to be like isolated instruments or a vocal part or um, something that's really just iconic from that song. Or if we're lucky, we can find all the kind of like separated individual instrumental tracks or vocal tracks. And so it's really just like, having this huge project where we're pulling out these little kind of cuts of samples that we might use. Um, and then from there, it's just like a puzzle, um, trying to kind of put those together in ways that make sense because they've got either a, kind of a similar kind of rhythm or they're kind of in the right key together, or sometimes even like they've got kind of lyrical phrases that share some things in common. Um, so that's kind of the long process is just getting like the audio um, in a pretty good place. And then from there, kind of uh, matching it to video. And it's a nice feature of the way, in the same way that we talked about how there's so many like clips of old, like live show performances. And there's, you know, there's, there's a wealth of stuff that's out there on YouTube and, and the rest of the internet. Um, it is really awesome that some of these like studio multi-tracks exist. So if you want to just use the guitar part from something, um, it might be available. Uh, there's a lot of new developments in AI where you're able to sort of feed a song um, into like some lines of code and have it kick out like, here's the vocal, here's the drums, here's the guitar, here's the keyboards. You know, it's it's not perfect, but it's it's getting, the technology is getting better every day. I had no idea. Yeah, this is not my area of expertise. So it's like, not, a, not a tech podcast. <laughs> no, no, I just, in fact, half the, half the tech stuff that gets done gets done by my co-host. But uh, I think the other thing that makes them so um, endearing are these, you find these moments every year where you, these great moments where you have two artists working 
kind of together for a few seconds. Like I think in 1980, you have Billy Joel and Ozzy Osbourne and later on you have um, Jesse's girl and super freak kind of, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, having this just kind of little, you know, eye wink to the, the, the setup there. Was that something that you planned or is that something you just kind of came across, you know, in the course of doing it? It's, it's some of both. I, I think, you know, as, as we're kind of like sorting through songs, we kind of discover some of the similarities that otherwise you might not think about. Um, and I think like one of the other things like I appreciate about it is like, it's, it's supposed to be fun and like kind of enjoying some of the humor of it. Like the, the Jesse's girl and super freak, like it changes the context when we're talking about like Jesse's girl being a super freak. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, two songs that are both kind of singing about women, but then kind of putting them together in a way that kind of changes the meaning of both. Um, so that's always fun to, to find ways to have. So, so it feels like the artists, even though they completely record the songs differently and they're different genres and everything, they kind of like put them in the same room together. Which years did you struggle the most with? I mean, were there some where you're just like, oh man, I just, I can't get the, the mojo going or, or the, the material didn't blend itself in as well. 1988 was, I think the hardest one I'm remembering. Um, and usually it's not so much, you know, every, every year has like good songs. It's sometimes that just like the, the tempos don't match up or, um, or there's just not as much stuff that like, or, or the stuff that I really want to use just doesn't like kind of um, lend itself to being sampled in an easy way. Um, so that year, I just remember us like kind of working on it, setting it aside for a while, returning to it, setting it aside for a while. Um, and so usually we're working on a couple of these at the same time so we can do that when we get a little stuck. That was uh, 88 had, they might be giants in there. That was, that was the moment where I kind of felt some validation for my love of they might be giants. <laughs> That's a that's a classic riff uh, that opens up that Anna Eng song, classic video. It's great, I've but seen. Yeah, them. not exactly a not exactly a top forty hit in the same day. <laughs> I don't think. Well, I don't know if they even had one, maybe except for Birdhouse in Your Soul. But uh, likewise, were there some years that just kind of came together like without any effort, just kind of slid all into place. I think 1986 um, was one that that just came pretty easy. Um, yeah, some of the times, like usually it's pretty easy to kind of identify like where you're going to start and kind of where you're going to end. But sometimes like getting from point A to point B is the challenge. Um, and that is, that's one where um, it just kind of like it, it came together pretty easily for whatever reason and, and felt like it, it was able to kind of really flow in a way where it's like a cohesive piece of music. I think 79 is pretty similar yeah. Um, where it feels like it pretty it holds together pretty well um, as as kind of one piece of music. The nineteen eighty the nineteen eighty six video really seemed to resonate with people. That one out of all of them has received the most views, and I think it was probably a result of being posted on like some you know aggregator or like cool link of the day sites. Even the Today Show hit us up at one point, and uh, they they asked us if we owned the video, which I think they already knew the answer to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so my response was, well, uh, we're the creators of the video. And then we didn't hear from them after that. So <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. 86 says the Paul Simon, you can call me out. That just kind of drives it from start to finish. And that's, I think that's what makes that one work so well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think I knew immediately that that was one that we were going to kind of build it around and want to get that one kind of in early to set the tone. Um, so, yeah, some, sometimes it's a really easy call to kind of know what you want to kind of center it around. Now, were there specific bands that you guys were that were that you're close to, or you you know you like like for me, it's they might be giants. I I'm, I was a huge Oingo Boingo fan. I was a uh, huge fan of some of the other kind of stranger bands were there bands that you said, look, I, I love these guys. I want them in there, even though people might raise their eyebrows and have a complete confused look on their face. I'm just kind of curious if you put any personal favorites in there. I mean, the comment sections are uh, lots of eyebrow raising from people in general, <laughs> a lot of, a uh, lot of discrepancies about whether, you know, it was the year the song came out on the album versus the single, or how could you not include this or this? And when, when we did the 40 years of hip hop video, it was sort of, we led, you know, the informational text with like, Hey, this isn't meant to be chronological. This isn't meant to be a best of, it's just a bunch of stuff mixed into a new song. And it's the same thing with the year videos, uh, you know, from the, from the eighties, it's, it's not meant to be like, here's the top 50 of the year. Like there's totally some of our own uh, personal tastes and personal favorites uh, from the year in there. That, that leads me to the question I've been wanting to ask since the beginning. Did you, did you keep track of how often you use particular bands? I'm just kind of curious if you know which band makes them or which artist makes the most appearances. Because I would think it'd be Prince or Phil Collins. I yeah, those would be is, my guesses. I yeah. think it is Prince over the years. Yeah, if we were to look at the look at the spreadsheets and tally it up you mentioned earlier talking to the today show and they you know brought up you do you own this video I, it brings up the question there must there must have been at some point a discussion about you know what, what happens if we bump into any sort of legal hurdles here and just kind of curious how you resolve that so what aaron and i our our dj duo the hood internet has been around since 2007 doing a little more modern spin on, on exactly this and like, you know, kind of making essentially like a digital bootleg white label, 12 inches of things. Yeah. Um, and just kind of putting them out there in the world. And the internet is, has always, you know, I don't know, since basically people were given the upload feature um, has always been like kind of a, a huge mess of stuff like that. And uh, in terms of copyright stuff, a lot of the, platforms like whether it's a youtube or a soundcloud they have things built in to identify like is this copyrighted material um and in most cases what it just does on youtube is tells you like oh there's you know a copyright claim has been placed on this video by such and such you know major record label and then that's kind of it you know like it, it doesn't allow you to um personally monetize your video but we've never really made a, a habit of you know like making these bootlegs available for sale or doing anything like that because that's definitely not you know uh the point of them and like what you know why we made them and it, it further i think complicates things less to just not touch that sort of thing sure. so we haven't really run into any problems with like you know copyright takedowns there's definitely been if you know if you go in and look at your details on youtube there's definitely a couple things where it's like oh such and such record label has claimed a copyright to like this little section of the song but it's pretty advanced like you can get once you've uploaded something you can get a pretty solid list back of what it has recognized you as sampling like the technology is pretty fast oh i know i've had the the challenge with the podcast over the years which is 
why I, I tend to keep my music clips to 30 seconds or less. And I declare, I declare uh, fair use for criticism purposes. So yeah. that's, that's sort of my niche. Fair use um, is definitely the angle. Yeah. When, when I first saw the videos, I think I saw an, an a message or something saying, uh, asking people to help donate money to an organization that was helping musicians out who weren't able to perform because of the pandemic. Yeah, we put that um, at the end of, I think, the 88 video. That was kind of a message. You know, like I said, uh, we've been doing the hood internet um, since 2007, like making these bootlegs. We also tour around as DJs and, you know, like have played at tons of independent venues throughout the United States. Um, obviously like right now during the COVID crisis, a lot of all of those places have shut down and are, you know, like music venues are in the final stage of reopening things more or less once there's like a vaccine available. Um, so save our stages uh, is sort of an initiative put on by the national independent venue association. And it's just kind of encouraging Congress to help bail these venues out because once it's time, you know, for these things to return, so many of them are suffering right now without their day-to-day operations that, you know, as, as uh, artists had of that have had the chance to like play at a lot of these amazing rooms, we really want to see them come back. That's great. I'll, I'll encourage our listeners to donate to that as well. Save, save the stages. Saveourstages.com. Okay. And, and I know Steve, you have another project in the works. You are, you've re-recorded, Genesis, um, the album Duke from 1980 in its entirety. Tell me about that a little bit. Um, that was something that I, I have just had. Uh, re-recording Genesis Duke is an idea I've had for a while. Um, and then at the beginning of this winter, uh, sat down to do it. And it came out, or my version came out on March 24th, which was the exact 40th anniversary of the street date of the original record. And uh, it was just kind of a a fun project and then ended up being released, you know, like uh, here in Chicago, like just a couple of weeks into the uh, quarantine shutdown. So it uh, it wasn't meant to come out at uh, at that time, but um, it it, uh, the feedback I got on it brought a lot of people joy, especially in those early weeks of, of not knowing what the hell is going on. And I've, uh, I'm pressing a version of it onto LP now. Um, it's getting uh, it's getting press right now at a, a press called Smash Plastic here in Chicago, and selling it on Bandcamp. Um, and all the proceeds are going to benefit the NAACP's Legal Defense and Education Fund. That's excellent. And you guys said you're working on a 90 series next. What's the time? What's the timeline on that? Yeah, so we're working on that right now. We'll probably put them out in like five-year chunks um, like we did with these where we release kind of one a week for a month or so Um, probably sometime in the fall maybe October Um, so still in process really kind of deep into 1993 right now um, and reliving my early teen years which has been great (laughs) what do you think is going to end up being the uh, the the Brill fan favorite of that series do you think it'll be the somewhere like around 93 I think it's going to be 91 or 94, um, both, but I, I'm, I'm biased, um, at least for me, as I've, I've been like kind of navigating music, like those feel like, especially with like kind of 90s alternative music, like kind of really pivotal years, 
um, for that kind of breaking out and then kind of like hitting its, its I guess, commercial peak in some ways. So um, that's where I am so far, but I reserve the right to, to change my answer once I get into the later <laughs> half of the 90s. Yeah, I have one question I always like to end the interviews with. Um, it's kind of a tradition. We um, at Stuck in 80s, we like to think that one day we're going to invent a uh, the podcast time machine and we can offer a seat to anybody to go back in time and either relive a moment or change a moment um, from the past. And I'd just curious for each one of you, what would you use that seat for? Now it doesn't have to be in the eighties or nineties. It can be any time. Just what would you use the podcast time machine seat to go do? Um, I would like, if I had a pod, a podcast time machine, um, I would like to go visit like post-punk New York, CBGB's television, talking heads, Blondie, Ramones, that era I think would be really fascinating to witness in person. That's a great answer. Yeah. And naturally, I think because what we're talking about, thinking about like kind of what band I would see and I, I would definitely go see The Clash. Um, that'd be kind of like my concert use of that. Do you have a, a time machine available? <laughs> I'm working. I'm work, I got time available. I'm working from home. But uh, like I said, I'm not the engineering genius. You guys are. You're, you're more likely to invent it before I will. We'll let you know. Okay. Hey, thanks, guys, for doing this interview. This has been a blast. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. There we go. There's the hood internet. That was fun, Brad. I, that was, I've been looking forward to that conversation for a long time. I don't know why I keep saying fun this episode. I, I, I feel like someone should like punch me every time I say it. No, so. no, we should, we should praise you for your embracing of the funness. Yeah, that was fun. Those guys, I, I, I'll say it too. You made me say it bastard. Um, <laughs> I would have liked to have been a part of that interview. I think it would have been fun to just chat with them a little bit. I'd love to just look over their shoulders as they're putting these videos together. Oh and no, think, that's that's absolute drudgery. Watching people edit? No, no. Or or some wanna, some part of it. Some part of you it. You want to get like a rough cut and then provide notes like, oh, this is wrong. Change the color balance here. The audio's too low there. This beat isn't lined up. You want to be it's way more fun to like pick holes in other people's work than actually sit and watch them make the sausage. <laughs> As people are sitting at home right now eating the sausage that we're making. So, mm, so for sausage. some reason that doesn't that doesn't feel good at all. That's a yeah, bad. It made me feel. Made me feel very dirty. Thank you. Yeah. No. Don't. No eating the sausage while we're making it. I thought one of the more interesting points was they had said 1986 was the most popular video, at least in terms of number of downloads. And that, like they said, it could have just been because that particular video got linked to some site and and you know so it got a little exposure. Yeah. What was your favorite video? My favorite. Now you had asked me about that as I was watching them. I watched about half of them yesterday and the other half this morning when I was supposed to be working. Yes, I might have been on a very boring Zoom call. Imagine that. But um, I was having a real hard time picking one as my favorite because they're all so fun. I, they really are. They just make you smile. The way that they mix things in and the overlaying of things. And I mean, I was messaging you as I was watching them. But 1987 kind of knocked me off my chair a little bit.
When they got to the end and they had the scene, of, they had the cut from the video of U2's where the streets have no name, where they're on the top of the, they're on the top of the hotel, and it just, it just hit me. I was just like, oh, so you know, the whole video they made me vulnerable, and then they just punched me in the face with it, and I just <laughs> fell back in my chair. I, as soon as you texted me that 1987 was your favorite, I went, I, I didn't recall it as much as some of the other ones. So I went back and I watched it. I'm like, what could, what's so special? What's so special what about this possibly year that Brad's? <laughs> and then I saw it. U2 all over the place. Of course, Brad loves 1987. There wasn't as much U2 as you might think, but when it's deployed, it's deployed very well. And it's, I mean, it's like anything in these things. You only have like, you know, a couple of bars of something. So it's in and it's out, but they just, they just hit me with it. And there's something, I don't know what it is about these clips, but it kind of just puts you in a place where you're ready to be just happy to see something that you know really well but you're excited to see it like yeah. oh hey oh i know that oh that's I, so much fun i i think i'm gonna watch one every morning when i start my work day just to get me cranked up a little bit i think what i'd like to do is um put them on loop at my wedding uh, reception and just have them playing for like three straight hours i don't think that's gonna be allowed by the fiance but it, I it think is a dream the people who complain about djs not playing entire songs might uh Bring a petition to the yeah front on that one. What was your favorite? It's my those? party, and I'll cry if I want to. My my favorite, uh, and I'll enough. tell you why in a second after you start to listen to it. Was 1984 to me is is it starts off so amazing because you've got the Go Go's and you've got Prince, you've, you've got Purple Rain. I, it just starts off with a, a, an energy, like an urgent energy that the other ones, as great as they are, 1984 just kind of is like shot out of a cannon. Yeah, it's like first among equals for any of these. I really do think. Yeah. I mean, even when you go back to the the ones that I, I of course completest. I went back started in 78 or 79. 79 and. There's some real jarring stuff going on there with The Clash and Disco, and yet it all kind of works together in this way that you're like, oh, this is this is just an interesting – they've taken something, and instead of just cooking it down to, to brown glop, they've made this really good, well-seasoned stew. I had this line written down that I wanted to tell them, and I, it's not that I ran out of time. It's just it, it seems so hokey that I didn't want them to like roll their eyes at me. You know, even though I wasn't looking mm-hmm. them in the face, and, and my my thought was, the whole series from seventy nine to to eighty nine, but especially in seventy nine, these montages show that the music that we loved that decade, that w- which was so ridiculously diverse, has a lot more in common with it, with each other than we thought that they did, and that's what made me. That's what makes me kind of so loopy and gloopy and happy when I when I see these when I can see Run DMC and Billy Joel share a, a bar of music I I just kind of get misty. Oh my gosh, Steve, you just rock me back in my chair with that. You could not be more right. 
That might be the most insightful thing you've said all year. Well, I, I was going to say, it's, surely I can't, I can't recall anyone, anytime anyone's said to me, you couldn't be more right about something. So anyway. Uh, well, I that's, my, to, that's my little gift to you. Yeah. Before we go to the Seggies, I just want to tell people about a couple of the, the causes that those videos are promoting and some of the ways that you can help. Saveourstages.com is the fund to help musicians and performers that are financially hurt during the pandemic. If you watch the videos at the end of some of the videos, it mentions the cause, saveourstages.com. We highly recommend that as a good use of your charity dollars. The other one, if you're interested in a special pressing of the, uh, the Genesis album, Duke, you go to volatus.bandcamp.com. And I know you're like going, how the hell do you spell volatus? Go to the show notes. It'll, I'll have a link to it right there. And remember, the pressings of Duke, which I've already bought one myself, all proceeds will be donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. So there you go. And, nice. and of course, go to the Hood Internet on YouTube and subscribe. Don't miss their stuff. It's amazing. You deserve this. You know what else can be amazing? The Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. We haven't done this in like four weeks, and I apologize if I'm a little croaky or froggy. It feels like a, it feels like an old friend we haven't seen in a while, right. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, everything feels like that these days. Because you don't see your coworkers anymore. You don't see your family all that much anymore. I haven't seen my family since... Wow, probably since before the cruise. Yeah, January. Yeah. Yeah, everything seems wow. kind of weird and croaky. I, I spent all the time in the lair, which at one point used to be like a goal of mine, but now it's just... <laughs> now you're like, maybe occasional forays into the real world would not be horrific. It wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. Um, yeah. Anyway, you know the drill with uh, Mystery Movie Moment, which I, even as I say it, it doesn't sound right. It's like a pair of shorts that you haven't worn since last summer. Ah, ah, shake it off, Spearsy. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into a drawing for a postal-friendly bottle opener. And even that didn't come out right. Everything you hurts. Got there. You got there. Everything hurts. Anyway, special bonus this week. We're going to actually give away some swag for the winner of each Seggy. So we've doubled your chances to win. That's right. So amazing. Well, you have to be right first, yeah. but plenty of people were right this week. So your odds really yes, aren't they that were. great. <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here was the movie clip from several eons ago. Hey, Moody. You owe me a year's worth of lunches. Yep, that's my bodyguard. We, we could do a whole movie. I know we've talked about this. We could do a whole podcast on, on movie bullies one day. And this would certainly make we it. We really need to. It was kind of the decade of bullies, yeah. though. So, I mean, it would literally have to be like a five-parter. Well, I mean, bullies haven't gone away. They've just gone places where that didn't exist before. Like, you know, you get bullied on your phone or bullied on social media and stuff. Wow. That's what happens to the kids these days. Thanks for bringing me down, Brad. I'm just telling you, bullies are going to be with us because, I don't know, today on, you know, Stuck in the Human Nature, we talk about bullies. <laughs> Speaking of bullies, I'm going to make you read all the winners now. Uh, that's fair, because I picked this clip. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, Brock in North Dakota, Kevin Pipe Wench, Alan Titus, Stony Stitt, Ryan the Pirate King in Orlando, we haven't heard from him in a while, Tom Corn in Austria, DJ and Clinton, Bart Kopp from West Des Moines, Iowa, Dave Auguste, apology accepted, Captain Yes. Nita. Jeff in Utah, Ken Lee, Anfield Albert, Lido, formerly of Porter Ranch, now from Austin, Texas, Soapman99, and 
Gotha, Florida? Gotha, Florida? You know, I live in Florida. Florida. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I don't know anyone who's ever been. We'll just go with Gotha. We'll just go with Gotha. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds more 80s. Gotha. (laughs) Trader Shan, Todd in Minnesota, Mike Wally Walters, and D&D Thompson. Okay, let's uh, spin the wheel. Find out who is our, I can't even say it. Just, um, you know, why did I agree to not drink this show? That's the question. Anyway. It's, it's very complicated. Go ahead. Spin the wheel. Here we go. Mm. Got to save a little for the next episode. Yeah, so. yeah, the next one's going to be brutal. Mm. Looks like it's going to land on Mike Wally Walters. You're this week's uh, winner. Send us your postal address, and we'll send you some swaggerino. The mailman loves it when I put that stuff out on the out on the box for him to pick up. You don't have to put extra postage on it? One stamp covers it? No, two stamps. Okay. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. It's the Cinch Does anybody here know how to dance? I know how to dance. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in in a couple of weeks to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. We will play a snippet of a tune, a hit, a song, a dirge from the 80s. If you get it right, again, we'll spin the wheel just for you this time. But in the meantime, here was the clip from quite possibly 15 shows ago. That's What I Lied to You by the Eurythmics. No, it's What I Lied to You by Eurythmics. There's no the, Steve. your fault brad for many reasons um, first you picked a very obvious song by a band you knew that i would butcher when i said their names so you corrected me but i deleted it from the podcast so no one knows that that you're the fool and not me no i'm hmm, the fool not interesting you. interesting We're both fools. I, well well that's <laughs> entirely possible i'm so proud of you 80s nation so many people got this right i feel like your rhythmics is somehow underappreciated I don't think so. I, you know, they, I think everyone loves r- those two songs. Everyone loves those, you know, their their top two or three songs. But they they have a good catalog. If they were to reunite for like a just a tour of the major cities, I would buy a plane ticket to go see that. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Well, and yeah, as you the- remember, I did have Annie Lennox on my dinner party list, so you know, I got to go and see if I can get her to go to dinner with me. <laughs> imaginary dinner party list. Hey, so it's a real list. It's just an imaginary party. Okay. There's a lot of imagination in this week's show. I'm going to imagine uh, what I'm going to be doing for the next half hour while you read the names. 80s Nation, you did us proud this week. Here we go. Winners this week include Charles in Vegas, Crispy Critter, Gene and Gilroy, Dave, No Crackers, Please, Parrot, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Cincinnati Joe, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Greg and Heather in some Florida town, Kevin Serving Wench, <laughs> Dr. Jean-Marc Bovee in St. Louis, Debbie H., Stoney Stid, DJ and Clinton, Chris, Play the Deep Cut, Samson, Bart Cop from West Des Moines, Iowa, Apology Accepted, Captain Nita, Jeremy in St. Pete, Florida, 
Andrea Crava, Andrew in San Diego, Lou, Sweet Lou, Greeley, our Montreal correspondent Peter Ryan, Eric in North Seattle, Jeff in Utah, Dave Horn in Phoenix, Scott Rubenstein, Kelly in Durango, FL number nine, Anfield, Albert, Terry in Perth, Australia, Chip from Maryland, Dave Cedillo in Kansas City, Lynn with three N's in Nebraska, Jim Withers, Oliver the Bard, Bardenhire, Fetch in Evansville, Todd in Minnesota, Anne in NorCal, Mike Wally Walters, Bernie the Dutch Evan Lindemann from Sydney, Australia, Carlos M. Hernandez, D&D Thompson, and Trader Shan. It warms my heart to see that we have some more Aussies listen, listening to the show again. For those who don't know, last week after we put the 15th anniversary episode online, Brad and I scheduled like a, a last-minute like Zoom happy hour on Sunday. And it was, I don't know, what was it, 5 p.m. Eastern time? 5 p.m. your time, yeah. 2 p.m. my time. It was fun. It was really fun. We had people from Australia and New Zealand on the call. Did we have anybody? We had uh, Angelic was there from Central Europe. Uh, It was just just crazy. Chase was there from Ecuador. (laughs) So it was was a lot of fun. We'll do them again soon. We'll try to give you more notice next time. But uh, it, it was fun. Anyways... You want me to spin the wheel this time? I don't think I ever get to do it. You know what, Steve? Yes. Why don't you spin this giant wheel filled with names? Let's see what happens. <laughs> I don't know why, but just I still have this urge to like use my hands to grip the imaginary wheel and spin it. I just I got my hands up and everything. And I'm just like, that's here we that's go. What makes a believable sound effect, Steve? Come on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did it. That's funny. Nice, nice okay. compact swing. I like it. I don't know. Like it. It's spinning. It's spinning good. Yeah. Well, I got some time. Got a lot of names yeah. to, to go around on the wheel. Just, you just don't know where it's going to stop. But it is slowing. It is slowing. And it looks like it's going to land on Dr. Jean-Marc Bovee in St. Louis. Hey, Dr. Bovee, send us a mailing address and we will send you out some swag. That's a deal. Uh, in, the, <laughs> in the meantime, here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITDs.com. See, I'm getting my groove back. Postal oh, friendly bottle time. opener, postal friendly bottle opener, and uh, find out turn in a few weeks. Oh, now I completely lost it again. So, <laughs> lost it all. Got, gave it all back. Finish it off, Brad. If you know it, email us at podcast at sct80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Pull up a chair, America. Sit right down there, America. Joe gets hungry. He means it. So he goes for a Swanson Hungry Man dinner. Look at all that meat. Swanson knows I'm a second helping man. Come over, Dad. You're not the only hungry man in the family. From today, Swanson Hungry Man dinners to satisfy your hearty appetite. Swanson's cooking just for you. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. I just wanted to say, uh, Brad and I both want to say a special thanks. We started a program on Patreon last week when we rolled out the 15th anniversary we did it because we, we ditched our podcast network and we thought you know let's see if we can have some fun with a patreon program i don't know if fun's the right word but we are very touched by the, the donations we've had so far i think you said the url at the beginning of the show but it's patreon.com slash stuck in 80s podcast that's right yep that's correct it's a system where it's like a monthly pledge it's and you can pledge you can pledge a dollar if you want we had some very generous donations, and we, we thank you. And I have restarted the 80s blog on Patreon. People who are patrons can can read my blog items. 
and we will have some special swag for those, some special thank you yep. gifts. But first, I know Brad's much better at reading names than I am, so I'll let him read <laughs> one more time. Here's some of the people that pledged to support us this week. Doug the General Arthur, Beat Poet Jeff, Dave Parrott and his much better half Carol, Ten Junk Miles, our Montreal correspondent Peter Ryan, Dale in Portland, Spitvalve McGee, Greg and Heather in Kissimmee, 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 Dave Augie August, Tor Hansen, Jeremy in St. Pete, Stephen Halifax, John the Kid, Chip from Maryland, Kevin Wench, Bob in Silicon Valley, Chris in Palm Springs, Lance Chad Chilwack, Christian in Duluth, David Akers, Kelly Hackman, Hangry Jeremy, Steve, don't call me fish sturgeon, Will Barras, Robert in Houston, Larry stuck in Chicago, Scott from Minnesota, and David Rickenbach. Thanks to every single one of you. Yes, thank you so much. It really it means the world to us. It's been a great start to this program. It's been a great start to our 16th year. We have some fun shows coming up, some, some really interesting interviews coming up, so stay tuned. Don't forget to go to YouTube, look up the Hood Internet, subscribe, consider uh, investing in one of their charities. In the meantime, Brad and I will be here along with the Hood Internet, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Hey.